Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saints Radio on this festive week leading up to Christmas. What an exciting thing. And we're so thankful to be able to reach out to all of you today. And we pray that you are well and whole and blessed and encouraged. All of those good things. And we pray also that you have a lot of delightful, delightful uh, things that are available for you in this week in one way or another. Everybody's life is different than the others, but God is good. So, I was telling Monica, who's sitting across the table from me here, that when I walked into my office this morning, the outside, the parking lot was just shrouded with fog. And she said it was over at her place, too. And I thought it was cloud by daytime. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's, um, it's beautiful out now, though. I know. It's weird. It's supposed to, what, be in the low 70s today? I have no idea. I think we should go down to the beach and have lunch. <laughs> <coughs> That's just, that's a joke. It's a joke, son. It's a joke. It's funny because, you know, we all have these smartphones. I think 90% of us, except for maybe Annette, who still uses a BlackBerry, which I do. How can you still use a BlackBerry, Annette? That's what I used to have. Does that still even work? She loves her Blackberries, but I, that might be through her business. But anyway, my phone is just too smart because every time, almost every time I get in my car, it tells me how long it's going to take me to get where I'm going without even knowing where, where I'm, I'm going. going. <laughs> and I remember one morning I, I got up and I was getting ready to leave and walked out the door and my phone told me that it would take me two minutes and 37 seconds to get to work. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. I, I, I wish it was smart enough to tell me where I worked. <laughs> <laughs> But obviously it was telling me that's how long it takes me to get to the church. But on my way over to the church this morning, I had to drop Scarlett off at the groomer at the Happy Tales. And um, so when I, got, when I got in my car to head this way, I was about an hour earlier than I would never normally get here. But my phone informed me that it would take me like, I don't know, 10 minutes to get to church. And I thought, how does it know that I'm going to church? Uh, other wow. than the fact that I come every Tuesday at about the same time. But I, it just, I just marvel at these. You know, sometimes you wonder, and you wonder about just the Siri function, and if any of you have the Alexa at your house. I mean, so many people are so, like, leery of just that whole system because they say that they listen to your conversations, and then you can be talking about how... I need new patio furniture in your kitchen over the dinner table. And then for the next three days, you get advertisements on your phone about patio furniture. I'm just using that as an example. I don't yeah. need new patio furniture. But it just, I, I guess, you know, maybe in a conversation with you, I was talking about coming to the church. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just a crazy world we live in. <laughs> that is, that is funny. So it's a good thing it told me just so that I could actually get here in the dense fog. Yeah. <laughs> well, I couldn't, I couldn't really figure out why it was foggy here, you know. I, I first I thought, Lord, this is great. This is a spiritual activity. It's like the cloud of his presence. Yeah. Of course, when I, where I grew up, Pittsburgh would at least a couple times a year just be shrouded in thick fog, fog and the airport would close. And it was really kind of neat. You couldn't see very far in front of you at all. And um, I, I, I didn't know why that happened either. You know, in, in Santa Barbara, where Noah lives, it's, it's, you know, California weather is just clear and crisp. And people say it's perfect weather. And I might have to agree in some respects, except for the all the natural disasters that happened there. But they have fog almost every day 
and in the mornings and it sometimes it's like noon before it actually burns off not every day but on a very regular basis and and then it burns off and it's just as clear as can be but I that must be because they're right on the water but I don't see that same thing in LA but that's more like smog yeah <laughs> yeah so maybe it's just where the 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 city hits the coastline between the south and the north I don't know I'm not yeah, a weather San person San Francisco gets really bad fog um I I just it's weird it's 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 weird but then the you know the cloud you know i remember robert fulton's church the cloud of glory um the cloud in the old testament would would come and, uh and we've we've postulated as to why what that represented you know wouldn't it lead them in the wilderness well a cloud by day yeah but yeah. but then then uh, the glory that would come would be like a, a thick cloud and you know it would encompass it would encompass which to me was kind of like spiritual smoke because the fire of God's glory and the fire of his judgment and burning would then meet whatever the created factors of this earth and it would produce this holy holy smoke Sacre uh, bleu, um, but you know. Anyway, it was just a neat thing. I wasn't expecting to have a, a cloud today around us. So maybe this is a something that God is using, or maybe it's just a meteorological silliness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Certainly not like the uh, the star of Bethlehem. Oh, did you see that? Well, Allie called me last night and told me that she she and Megan were going out with their daddy with a telescope to look up and see that, and she was she was going to be uh, calling back to tell me what it was like. So I I wasn't aware of it until last night. So no, I didn't see it. Well, they've been talking about it for a while. But I think that they're, aren't they saying that you can see it, like, leading up to Christmas Eve? I don't know. Because I, I, I think I I saw something on media, like, right when I had gotten into bed on Sunday night. And I thought, oh, I should go out there and look. I mean, they say it's, like, only going to happen in one in a million years or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I should get up and go look. And I thought, nah, I'll look at the pictures tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, they always try to make that the star that guided the Magi. And, you know, it still doesn't explain how that light shone directly on the place where Jesus was, in the house where he was. You know, it's very interesting. I think they were just led. Well, obviously they were led. The Bible says they were, but... I don't know. It's 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 been. We we took a walk the other night on Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. I wanted to take a walk, take the dogs on a walk after it got dark, just to see all the Christmas lights in the mm-hmm. neighborhood because it's so pretty. And and so we we did. We waited till it got dark and it was warm enough. So we took a walk and the sky was so beautiful. There were so many bright stars up and. I had to draw that Olivia's attention to that because she always says, I never see stars here. And I always say, to me, Texas has, like, such beautiful skies. But, um, yeah, it was just so pretty. I just thought, thank you, Lord. Well, you you Uh, should have sung, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. (laughs) Okay, we have a lot of... Good stuff to talk about it's today. It's our hymn. <laughs> we have to have a hymn at the beginning of a broadcast. Um, Speaking of broadcast, is the because several people have asked me because you did announce this and I didn't know that we normally did this, um, but that's probably just on me. Are we live streaming the candlelight service? Yes. Because that's a new thing, I think. Right. I thought due to the fact that so many people are in states where they're restricted from doing things that it would be a nice thing for us to provide that for anybody who wanted to see it either 
live or on the archive the next day. You know, I know Benichons are um, in France and a number of other of our dear folks there. They might appreciate being able to to participate in that. So yes, we will be. Um, I verified again with Scott that we'll have the cameras up and everything. And um, so, as far as I know, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, it'll be a regular extravaganza. Kelly, Kelly was communicating with me about that yesterday, just because she was asking Noah to be a part of that, and she said it was going to be a an Arroyo Crawford Crawford Variety Hour. <laughs> Well, and I said, "Well, <laughs> we will all enjoy that." Well, it's it's just funny because you know, over the years we've done different things on Christmas Eve, you know, and um, as the kids have grown up, I remember years when Noah was just little, and he he and the other little kids would run the candles around to people and. Um, it's, it's just funny, you know, it's just funny the way, uh, things morph. Yeah. Um, so wherever you are, you're welcome to, to, to tune in. And, um, if you want to access that, um, in the next days or so after you can, uh, you know, it just might be nice. To have a, a sense of, you know, extended family, which is kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, tomorrow we'll have Wednesday night live in the morning like normal. And um, Thursday night we'll have the 6 o'clock Dallas time um, Christmas Eve extravaganza. Uh, I, I, you know, I was thinking today about how, you know, when when we were kids, you know, I always look forward to Christmas. Even though, you know, it it was just a, a, a powerful, beautiful time. And then when kids were little, you know, you you worked to to get them excited about Christmas, and they were always such it was such a powerful thing and. Then the kids grow older, and then it's a totally different thing with family gatherings and with grandchildren, and you know it's still centered around the birth of Jesus. Yeah. And life changes, but that never will. I know. I told Olivia yesterday. I said we should get Jesus a birthday cake. <laughs> Yeah. I have never done that before, and she was kind of shocked. She's like, "Okay, we could." I said, "We should make him a birthday cake," because I know some people that's kind of a tradition for them. I've never done that before. But really, um, I've never heard of that. Some people yeah. have that tradition. Oh yeah, yeah. It's his birthday. I mean, according to the calendar. Well, I know that Easter thing with some of the Latin countries. They have the cake with the little, the little toy in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So I may do that. That might be kind of fun for. We don't have little ones like we just have one little one, and he's only one. And I guess maybe he might understand what that is. But even I mean, even my kids who are in their twenties, they still just they love Christmas so much, and because they just get such delight in it, I just I I, I love that because I think that. I know that carnally it's in a lot of ways has become very commercial, but like you said, I mean, you just keep it in the center. And, you know, to me, I think about Christmas Eve and I think one of the greatest blessings to me would be, and I'm assuming that the twins are going to sing just that gift, you know, just the pure, and maybe they aren't, but I'm assuming that they would, but just that pure expression of a child before the Lord singing to the Lord is just it's just the little things and just being present in the little things. And I just, it's very yeah. special. Yeah. I don't really know. 
what all they're going to do well, because be I'm fun. grandpa, you know. <laughs> it'll be fun. It has to be negotiated on a more individual household level. But even with your kids, I mean, with your daughters, I mean, I mean, because dating myself and you, I mean, they were children when I met you all. They were children when I first started coming to this church and and the way that they've grown up into these just amazing women of God. But still, I mean, they still represent um, in a lot of ways just that spirit of a child and just that purity. And yeah. I'm very thankful for that. I think the principle of just sons and daughters of the Lord is just, I mean, he that's what he came for. So. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And of course, you know, my kids too, so it's a blessing. <laughs> well, we pray that this year will be a really amazing time for you in the presence of the Lord. Wherever, however, you celebrate his birth. And if in any way what we try to humbly offer here for you is a blessing we release it to you with all the love and appreciation that we we can muster so i have a couple of messages here first of all vicky is asking what time the live stream is and that's at 6 p.m central yes. dallas time so that would be seven seven there for you in vicky. east yeah she said they used to put can their candles in a donut. <laughs> that's that's sweet because Jesus loves donuts. I have oh. to agree with that. Yeah, I always I used I used to always joke because I don't eat donuts, and but they're good. And I used to always think when I get to heaven one day I'm going to eat donuts, and it's not even going to matter. <laughs> so I bear witness with that. And then Annette wants you to know that yes, they do still make blackberries. And the fog is caused by warm air passing over the cool surfaces. Ah. Our, she's our meteorologist. She's our network meteorologist. And that you could only see the star last night. So you could only see it last night. That's what she says. That's what our 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 official pneumatocost meteorologist is saying. So thank you, Annette. And um, that's all I got. That's all she wrote. That's what she said. So we have already. I know we chatted and the, chatted. Yeah. Well, um, last Wednesday, I brought a a message that I truly believed was a directive, and it had to do with the former and the latter rain, and. If you remember at all, what we um, as a network were asked to consider, it was that we wait on God and consider what those passages in Joel and Zechariah meant to us, and that we weren't really going to do any activations or fivefolds or anything of that nature necessarily during the Christmas week because that's kind of folly. I mean, I, I, I've learned a long, long time ago as a pastor that when people get busy and they're in the holiday mode, uh, it's, it's basically a Herculean task to get the people to pray during Christmas, even during the high and holy times when uh, things were still brand new here. After a couple of years, we had to keep reminding people, look, Satan is not celebrating Christmas. Uh, well, he probably is with the mercantile part of it, but he's not kicking back saying, okay, you, all, you, all you principalities, you're off now for the next week, and we need to pray. We need to keep praying. So, at least that's what I've expressed last week. But we were 
being asked to consider the concept of the former and the latter reign from the basis of pneumatikos words and understandings. And so uh, that's kind of where we are this week. And I thought that it would be uh, a good idea, and obviously you thought as well, independently, to maybe talk about this a little bit today. In fact, you had written down a bunch of notes from your study, and earlier this morning I just typed up a little an agenda based upon different words that are listed in that um, in those passages. And um, so that's kind of where we are. And I don't know. Well, I, I was just, I mean, doing my due diligence to familiarize myself with the scriptures and the, the revelation that was coming forth because I think that it's so important that we, if I could use your words from a week or so ago, that we cultivate the soil in our hearts to receive and to to prepare ourselves for what God's going to bring, which is um, direction, I think, prophetic direction and into the new year. So um, there's just, there's so much here. Um, <laughs> I mean, even... I mean, I was even just really captivated because we're in this play, you know, we're really in this time frame of where you asked us to be in that place of shawl, where we recognize um, that, you know, that deep, intimate place position that we have in the heart of the Lord. And from that place comes really the authority that we have to function and and to really just be... Um, just be before the Lord and and asking him and but I you know I was I was reading this on Sunday afternoon and I I was looking at the passages preceding Joel 2:23 and then I was also looking in Deuteronomy 11 which also talks about the latter and the former reign and so much of it is about really preparing our hearts I mean you look at the beginning of Joel 2 and it talks about you know he says Turn to me with all of your heart. You know, that's repent, but it's also turn um, with fasting. Be sanctified. And then remember there was a weeping of the priests. And, and it really is just a preparation for us as a people to, to be sanctified, to, to prepare our hearts um, really for the new thing. Because we want to go in clean. You know, we want to go in um, like the remnant. You know, where we're, we're clean. There's nothing. Because then you find in Deuteronomy where he talks so much, Deuteronomy 11, about the latter and the former reign. And he, I mean, he, first of all, I love the fact that he talks about, you know, he talks about the expansion and the, the possession of the land as they come out of Egypt. And I've been thinking a lot of Egypt, and I don't mean to take us down a rabbit trail, but Egypt represents so many things that the world is. So, I mean, I, really, if we look at the state and the moral fiber of our country, it's like Egypt in a lot of ways. And immorality and just, just I don't want to go down the... But as they're, you know, coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land, I mean, he, he says, I'm taking you into a land where, a land that, the, that I, Yahweh, care for, and my eyes are always upon it, and it will drink the water by the rain from heaven, and then it waters the sea. But I guess the point of what I'm saying is he also says that you, you um, says, take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods or worship them. And that, I mean, that's such a big part of really what we're having to overcome just in demonic worship and, you know, idol worship. We have to make sure that there is nothing in us that would trip us up in the process of taking possession of that land that is filled with the demonic. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? 
And so this has, to me, been just such a precious time before the Lord where we just lay it all out and, I mean, and <laughs> follow his commandments because then he says, you know, you take these commandments and you um, you set them before you and you teach your children. And there's just so many things in there that for us as a people, we don't ever want to get too far into it or too bit, too deep into it that we don't remember and honor the, just the primary things, which is our responsibility to stay clean and pure before the Lord. And I think just the whole pruning process and all that is is cutting away just things that could trip us up because it's just in the way. And so anyway, so I'm just going to launch us into that by I just wanted to talk about the preceding things that lead up to these things because we have that responsibility before the Lord. That's good. Yeah. Not that I'm calling all the priests to be weeping, but <laughs> I mean, the, I know that there's a lot of things God's been working in my heart just to sanctify and to, to cleanse and um, just to purify. So. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing, the, the weeping. Um what is it? The Before, priest between the porch, the and, the porch altar. and the altar. Um, between the their approach and the place where they yield themselves. There's so that would mean that when you begin to approach God, um, in between the approach and the place of sacrifice, which today, of course, the only thing that's sacrificed is you or and or the incense. You know, there isn't there isn't any burnt offerings of I guess your work, you could do a meal offering before the Lord. And I think too, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think that we really have come through a season where God's requiring us really, I mean, to lay it all down, to lay it all down before him and in preparation for not that, not that we're not going to take the, you know, the mantles and the, all that stuff with us into the new because God uses all that stuff. But I just think that there's been a lot of, um, I just know for me, I mean, he's really had me just lay down a lot of things that I was depending on or dependent on to bring me to a place where I was fully dependent on just on him, not on how well I can do things or that the way that I did things in the past or, and that's, I mean, that's this whole year has been that way. I mean, how many things have we had to lay down that, you know, we've gotten really good at, <laughs> And so, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I just feel like um, I feel like we've really been in this place of uh, just really a sweet place before the Lord. It's not been necessarily easy, but it's been just wonderful, just of preparation. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's. Um of course, of course, the weeping, uh, the baka, which would then be a, a, a well, um, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's that lamenting, not lamenting, that expression can either go to bemoaning and to woe is me or it's unsettling to weep in some ways but it's 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 pure it's cleansing in a lot of ways it's like you think about the valley of baca and that was a place from in their sojourn to go meet with the lord that was the place that he required them to go through and in the midst of that that valley of weeping they were to call forth those springs in that dry place i mean they were to speak into that and and really prophetically believe that those 
those dry places would become fruitful. Those dry places would would bear forth, you know, the springs, break forth with the springs. And um, I think we've all felt that in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at um, theological word book with which Miss Joy, yeah, <laughs> used to call something that was kind of humorous. The root. Uh, is used in five different ways. Although weeping is usually associated with stress or sorrow, it is also a sign of joy. Interestingly enough, all occurrences of this usage appear in the Jacob narrative. So in all the Old Testament, that word is used for joy only with Jacob, who was one that God really tried to turn from a supplanter and a deceiver into a person who would see God as Elohim face to face and would represent somebody that cried unto Elohim. And I think, um, you know, it says Jacob wept for joy when he met Rachel. He, Jacob and Esau when they met again after the long separation. Joseph and Jacob wept with each other when they met in Egypt. It's, it's kind of interesting that 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 type of weeping is in that Joel passage mm-hmm. between the porch and the altar, mm-hmm. and I think I think we uh, we need to we need to really view it from the standpoint more of yielding yourself to God. But the joy is a is a recompense. It is a fulfillment. It is in Joel, or at least the way it's in in Jacob, um, the way it's it's used there. But it can also be distress. It can also be sorrow. So I think, you know, unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it has no life into it. I think in the year of the prophetic we're going into, you can either give place to one or the other. I prefer to go into joy. Well, isn't that pretty much been what God's been speaking to us just most recently? That in every circumstance, and as we are submitted to walk in his plan and his will in every circumstance, we have that choice. You know, we have the choice to partner with the grace or the bitterness. We have that choice to, you know, our perspective is so important. And, and, and you know, it to me, it just... See, the closer we get, it seems to get more and more intense. Just the delineation between, okay, how am I going to respond to this? How, you know, I want to say ouch, but it, and it's okay to say ouch to the Lord, but at the same time, am I going to submit and surrender and yield to this, or am I going to wrestle and resist it and and become bitter, you know, become the victim? I can't, listen... I can't do the victim thing, you know. I, <laughs> if if that in any way is something that you have a propensity for, I'm just gonna say, just get delivered from that now, because I in the kingdom, there's just no room for that. You'll either be the victor or the victim. <laughs> it's true though, and it's so easy to take that path when, when you feel like, you know, you're not being favored or you're not. Things aren't working. You know, there's just so many different multitude of reasons or ways that that can happen. And so it's, I just feel like, I mean, we are sons of God and God has brought us through so many things and we don't want to fail him now. (laughs) Feet don't fail me now. No. So whatever it requires, I mean, if it requires me to fast or to repent for whatever, and I think repentance is something that we have to remember that we are not above repentance. We're not so holy that we still don't have to repent. For I mean, we're still human flesh sinners. And so, and so he's preaching all these things to prepare them for this. And um, granted, I mean, they were kind of a wayfaring company of people. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I still find a lot of value in that. So I didn't mean to take us down that rabbit trail. No, we can jump good, right into that's this. That's a good point. But I, I, think, I think that this in discussion, uh, the, the reason the Lord has brought it, 
is, first of all, it's a biblical principle that we're, that we're really focusing on former and latter. And we can talk about that principle here, but um, I do believe that it's a rhema for this moment as we calendrically leave 2020 and go into 2021. Um, I, I do believe this is a, a rhema for us. And, you know, the principle is plain. You know, the former reign is is based upon, according to the words that are used, you being a teacher, you being an archer, somebody that is dealing with the arrows of the Lord as sons in specificity to hit the places that God has directed. And it's according to righteousness, because moderately is righteousness. So it's righteous vision. And that's how we've planted. That's how we have... um, um, have sown and um, but if you don't do that there's really no need for you to be asking for the latter rain because the latter rain is the rain for harvest and it is it is asked by the Sha'al somebody that has kingly authority who is walking in intimacy before God and who asks in conjunction with that deep relationship with God. I think one of my favorite usages of this is when Isaiah was speaking to Ahaz and he said, ask of the Lord, and Ahaz says, I'm not going to ask of the Lord. And Isaiah got prophetically ticked and said, well, you're not asking, but I'm going to I'm going to give you a sign. God's going to give you a sign. A virgin will conceive. And call, you'll call his name Emmanuel, Elohim with you. And so there's that, there's that framework of kingship, walking with Elohim and welcoming him in conjunction with Sha'al. And so all of that, throw in there that, they were in desperate times in in Isaiah's time. That's one of my favorite usages of that. And I think we can maybe all believe that and agree that 2020 has put us in a lot of desperate situations and we've been blessed and protected. But it's a time like none other. Mm-hmm. And God is saying, ask me, sha'al me. And we can either be like Ahaz has said, well, you know what, I'm trying to figure out this alignment with it, with uh, Assyria, and you know, I really don't really like what God has done, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with that. Or we can obey the voice of the, the great prophet and say, I'm gonna ask of God, and what we need to ask God for is the latter rain, the harvest rain, and um, so that's all a factor here. And this week has been a Sha'al week. So in the midst of that, though, we have the topic of what God has been doing during this past year, and then the prospect of what Joel talks about regarding God doing wondrously and restoring things that the enemy or God's timetable have caused us to have to sacrifice and lose, seemingly lose. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of that, though, there is fruitfulness that's happened, according to Joel 2, and that's something the Lord put on your your heart to, to study, and I really think it's a noteworthy insight. Don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely, I I think, you know, there's a lot of things here. You know, he talks about restoring or shalem, and you preached about this. The years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm. And I'm, I guess all those worms have some kind of prophetic significance. Well, it's God's army. Yeah. My great army, which I will send unto you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that he has dealt wondrously with you. 
my people should never be ashamed. But I guess the thing that the Lord really caught, I mean, and this was just, I was just sitting before the Lord and I was just meditating on these passages as you have asked us to do. Yeah. And, and the Lord really had me um, focus in on the harvest and what it says about, it says, your floor shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And that, you know, prophetically is our harvest. And so I, I looked into those things because I figured that, you know, they have to represent something prophetic for us. And I, I think the most prolific thing for me, I mean, the, the wheat, not only, I mean, I, I guess you make the bread from the wheat, right? But it represents the maturity, you know, the maturing, the breaking forth from the, the ear of the corn and that's the part that they harvested, and it was very valuable, but it had to be, once it was harvested, it had to be threshed and cleansed. So hallelujah for that. But um, it says that it represents God's care and his provision for us. But the thing that I think was most prolific to me was really the analogy that we're so familiar with, because I feel like going into this year of the prophetic just the reality of the spirit of prophecy and what Jesus says when he says, you know, lest a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it has no life. And if it falls and, and dies, then it's, it brings forth life. And, and I think that I know for me personally, and I know for all of our prophetic hearts, that's really where, I mean, that's where I've been. It's like, Lord, let me be that dead seed. Let me, let me surrender to that death dying process, even at this stage, even you know, at a place of maturity <laughs> and and let that process be so that that what comes forth is, is you and what comes forth is really the fruit that you have for us in this coming season. And, and to me, that's a huge part of our harvest. And that's what God, I believe, just one of the three that God is going to be bringing forth in the beginning of this year. And, and I, I, as someone who is a steward of the prophetic ministry in this house and for this network, there's nothing that, I mean, to, to recognize that through the maturing process and through the process of dying, you know, the, the most valuable part of his harvest, you could say it's new wine, you could say it's the oil, you know, the anointing. But it says here that the wheat was considered the most valuable of the harvest. And to know that that would be that pure word that would come forth through the prophetic voices of his sons. Mm -hmm. To me, is that, that's what we're asking for. Because that's what we need to go forward. And how many times have you said, I mean, God is positioning us to... You know, you call it the school of the prophets, whatever it is. He is he is wanting to develop just prophets in a deeper, more profound way in this year. And so to me, that that really spoke to my heart because that is something that um, to me is a great harvest, would be a great. It will be a great harvest, part of the harvest. And then we've got the wine and we've got the oil. So if you want to talk about those, we can or we can. However you want to do this. Well, people people have to have wheat or or food to to live, and um, you can't just exist on oil and wine. Yeah. Uh, even though the scriptures in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, remember it said the angel was saying, "Hurt not the oil and the wine," and I think that is significant for the end times. But the wheat does represent our commune, as you said, with God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. And that, that is essential. And to me, that's kind of what we, what we teach. Uh, well, that's the heart of the saint's message. Mm -hmm. But now the oil represents you being pressed and you being fully committed the you know the um, Gethsemane, the place of pressing, where you are committed to the Abba of God, 
Ah. And you are, um, you are yielding yourself. And, you know, in James it says about a brother being overtaken in a fault, you know, you send the, you know, well, no, say any sick among you, send the elders and let them anoint with oil. And the sick is, is that measure where they're there, but they're not functioning. And um, so it, it has to do with our function and our commitment personally to what God's called us to be. Plus you take it a, another step in that as we celebrate Christmas, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, the oil in so many ways represents our capacity to be Christ-like and to be that, that son that, that partners with that empty hand, with the hand of the miraculous that looks like there's nothing there. Yeah. And that only comes through that process that you were talking about of the pressing. I mean, that's the only way we become Christ-like is right. to surrender to that that process. And I think we've all felt that and experienced that over this last year. I know I can speak for myself, but somehow I feel like I'm speaking for the choir. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt Well, no, you. and there's a difference between that and the, the, the bread, the, the wheat, because... They're similar, but there's a big difference because some people want the word. They just don't want that relationship. You know, it's kind of like they want commune, but they don't want commitment. And, you know, like like when we first started doing fivefold things, people say, oh, I just want to pray. That's work. I, you know, it was kind of you've heard we talked about that. Those are things we heard. And so there's a difference between those two things. Um, Judas wanted to be at the table of the Lord, but he didn't want to commit to who he was to the Lord's ways. And that's the pressing of the oil. But then you have the wine, which is representative of the blood, and it, it's a new thing. Mm -hmm. It's the sprinkling. It's the activating, which is why when you had Jesus come to his first miracle, he was there as the living word. He had committed himself and submitted himself to be pressed and to submit himself to the will of the Father. And now the first miracle indicated by its firstness, wine. Yeah. And this, that, that, that effusion of the best. And so you think about what happens in, in the book of Revelation where hurt not the oil and wine. During that time, people are going to be struggling to survive. Food is probably going to be, and water, at a premium. And you cannot just try to live. You can, you can live and not be alive. So make sure that you don't hurt that commitment to be what God has called you to be, to be pressed and to believe him for the the effusion of the blood, that sprinkling, that that foundational thing of being uh, adopted by the blood into the family of God, and then using that relationship to welcome the new things, which basically counteracts the Babylonian curse. It's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So those three things are ours during the time where we're waiting on the latter rain, but also is part of what the former rain will bring because those are harvest things. Wheat and the new wine, the Kynos wine, and the, um, and the olives. I remember when we were in Greece uh, and... There was such a proclivity of olives there. I still have a cake of soap that I bought at a monastery. I was tempted to use it a few times. In fact, intended to. But I've got it sitting in my bedroom, and I see it there, and it says soap made from olive oil in that little city, that little monastery. But we, we saw how, and I know if you go to the high and holy land of Jerusalem, they, they focus on oil, but I don't think it's, I think, to me, 
I've never been there, but I would think it's more commercialized. In Greece, it was just a way of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the way it is in that, of, uh, that original agrarian society that, that Joel was speaking to. And I think that it was just part of, it was just part of life. And I didn't realize that when we were there, you know, in Greece, that wine is also a big part of that. Of course, we weren't drinking wine at that point. It, well, um, they, they had that ouzo. Oh, God, it's poison. They gave us all, gave us all that place we were staying, bottles. And I thought, what in the world is it's this? It's like poison. I was rooming with Kelly at the time, and I opened that thing, and I took a, tape, I took a sip of it. It was like, we could use that for hand sanitizer. It's illegal in the U.S. Is it really? I think so. I, I think so. It may not be anymore, but at that time it was, yeah, it's, it's, it's lethal. Wow. Yep. Well, the point of it is for this discussion, I brought up Greece because there was such a, such a focus on oil and how it's produced. And um, it was just part of the monk's lifestyle. It was part of the, that was part of, uh, you know, the Eastern Orthodox. It was part of um, the way people lived, and you could see it there. You could see it in the lives of those people. And for us, us being pressed for our calling and commitment before God should should not just be something we do in ministry. It should be a daily part of our lifestyle. So hurt not the oil and the opening for a newness of expression, the sprinkling of the blood, the explosiveness of possibility, but that wheat. Plus, you think about the oil, too, and you think about just the, the last days. And, I mean, what does it say about the virgins? It's like they had to have that oil in their lamps. We have to have that oil mm -hmm. in our lamps. It was what lit in the, you know, in the the tabernacle in the temple the lamps had to be burning and that's something that we we deeply desire that the yeah. lamps in our hearts don't ever go out or or extinguish and we know that they stay lit just through our our devotion and our commitment to commune with him and then from there to be function you know to function in his agape purpose so yeah. it's it's something that's very necessary. Yeah, Samuel was responsible to keep that lamp lit. And those virgins, yeah, I mean, that. give us some of your oil. Hey, Napoleon, we're give gonna me hear some that. of your oil. I mean, I guarantee you we're going to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I mean, that is something that we will be, we will hear, I'm sure. Yeah. Go get it where you normally buy it from. Well, you can't buy that. That's why I know. You can't buy the oil. It has to be produced by who you are, and that's what keeps you. And so, but we've got seven minutes left. So you need to get down to your directive. What is the directive? I, I think you and I had talked about the possibility of after Christmas, which is Friday, putting a, a blanket appeal out to our network churches that sometime during this coming weekend you go before the Lord and you've been praying about that because the directive needs to come prophetically what have you felt if uh, did what I just say is that basically what we are asking our Saints Network individuals and prayer groups and churches to consider? Well, I don't think that we have like a specific fivefold laid out with, you know, ask the Lord this and ask the Lord that and ask the Lord this and ask. It. We're still in that kind of exploratory kind of phase where I think that our our commitment to go before the Lord as all individuals and to consider all of these things, to me, that's where we are during this weekend. Mm -hmm. But now I, I, I defer to you. If if it needs to be something more structural, we can certainly do that. Well, I don't I don't know. I think it's just something that we need to ask the individual outposts of prophets to consider, mm -hmm. because it's the sha'al of asking that God says is what brings on the 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 latter rain, 
and then sets in motion Zechariah 10.4 to where the mighty men are really awakened and that principle of voices thunders and incense and you know the corner nail battle bow and the mighty men or the oppressor, the mighty men. And I think that's what we look to a week from a week and a half from now when we're entering into the new year and but for this weekend of course after christmas um i think our people need to recognize we need to be garnering our focus as sha'al individuals to what this new year is is going to bring because at some point this is going to break this covid these restrictions and I, I'm positioning, I'm positioning my thinking now to the timetable of what's going to be available to us. God hasn't ignited the portals yet to where we can just go through and then come back. Of course, accord, according to Pastor Fulton's uh, dream, he's going to be white-headed when that happens. So, uh, get rid of the uh, the just for men and the and the Jerry curl. We got to have that hair white when you're going through. Um, but you know, we've got to look and see, um, what, what, what is God wanting as we enter this new year? Because harvest is coming. It, you know, we touched base on the fact that it really was a sad thing to watch the videos coming out of London, uh, where Heathrow is just basically empty and the Eurostar in San Pancras is just empty and it says border to France closed um, where it goes into Calais uh, how many times dozens of times have we accessed those ports to go into Europe and to go into Africa and to go into India those doorways will be open and at, at this point, we're kind of in a holding pattern. And I think it's a Sha'al boarding pattern. This is not wasted time. And I think we need to be asking God for specific things that he prophetically reveals. And we need to be laying claim to this latter rain. We need to be laying claim to this harvest, which has been predicated by us planting as teachers and as sons, us following the righteousness moderately, us believing God for the wondrous things. But you can't have the latter rain where it's going to have any effect, any true effect, unless you have the former rain. And we have stockpiled as saints, haven't we? Our measure of being teachers and our measure of studying the word and our measure of being sons sent forth as the, as, the, as the arrows of our God and to walk as partners and friends of God in righteousness, righteous vision, that's part of the former reign. But it's time now for us to ask Sha'al, and that's what this framework is. So, you know, we intend to reach out to the pastors and to hear from groups, leaders, uh, and then be willing to see what God's going to want us to do looking into the new year. So that's really where we are. So this weekend, be looking, be waiting, see what God will show you. And um, tomorrow, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm thinking I'm gonna be speaking about uh, the planting of the Lord, the planting of Yahweh, and I have some things that were started on Sunday this past Sunday, but it's in commensurate with what we're talking about here. So. Uh, Anyway, the hour is up. And thank you for joining us. We speak blessing over you. We will look forward to um, look forward to tomorrow, whatever the Lord is going to say. I would just ask you to be in prayer for me today. Giwali has uh, arranged for 
the folks that are uh, missionary, they're Argentinians, they're missionaries there, and they live in Sao Paulo. They want to interview me <laughs> today or tomorrow, tomorrow. So be in prayer for that. I don't know what God's going to do through that, but I'm intending to speak into South America into the Spanish-speaking parts, and maybe this is a beginning point. Amen. So, um, but then Thursday night, Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, Dallas time. Be blessed on Christmas Day. There'll be some kind of prayer primer that comes out on Christmas Day. What will that be like? I may have my Santa hat on. I don't know. But let's shout this weekend, and let's hear from God. And um, may God bless all of you. God bless us, everyone. Anything final? No. Merry okay. Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year.